Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, it is finally NFL Combine Week. How are you doing? I am great. But talking about finally, you and I might finally meet in person. That's a possibility of happening between now and our next time we record. Yeah, in yeah. Indy. I think it's. I think it's been. I don't even know what it's been. Has it been three years? We've been more staring staring across the computer at each other's faces, and definitely more. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So we talked about it last week that you were headed up to Indy, or I guess down to Indy, I should say, for you. And and I just found out late last week that I will also get to be in attendance. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'll, I'll be a first-timer. You'll have to show me the ropes, Williamson. But yeah, it'll be great <laughs> to meet you. And uh, I've already heard some of your stories and stories from other folks that it, it just sounds like uh, a, a great time where – Pretty much everybody is there, it sounds like. Media and and players, obviously, the incoming rookies, coaches and GMs, and, and kind of everybody's in that one town for uh, for at least a week. Yeah, it is a good time. What's different this year, though, and I'm curious about, is because the drills are prime time, I'm not sure that you'll see coaches walking the street at night as much. You know what I mean? Like uh, People are going to be working in the evenings as opposed to working during the day. Yeah, that that will be a big change uh, for everyone. Certainly for those involved that are there in Indy, but for for the fans, for people watching at home, it'll be a big change as well. I know uh, in past couple of years, I've taken the day off of work just to watch some of those things, and won't have to do that this year. I think everything Thursday, Friday, and Saturday are prime time, and then I believe Sunday is yeah. uh, is in the afternoon, if I'm correct, and. Thursday and Friday are, are the things that we mostly care about, uh, meaning quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends are doing their on-field workouts on those two days. Matt, we're we're talking combine already, and, and that's we're just going to keep that talk going. We're going to do a, a preview of the combine today, and we've got a great guest, Travis May. Uh, Travis is a writer at Rotoviz and also the host of the Dynasty Command Center podcast. Travis has been on with us before, a great friend of the show. Travis, how's it going, man? Great. I'm glad that it is finally actually uh, NFL Combine Week. Uh, and it, it's it's a weird mix every year. It's like I, I feel like we've been waiting forever, but it also kind of snuck up on us just because we're talking rookies and we've been talking them forever. But, you know, you know we're finally here. We're going to get some more numbers and learn a little bit more about these players. So excited to see what happens this week. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you've done a lot of work with uh, with Devi players and with incoming rookies. I know right now you're in the middle of your top 100 rookie series, which is something you've done for for several years, uh, and and is always a must read. So you're definitely knee deep in rookie coverage and combine coverage. And I know we were talking earlier in the week about some spreadsheets and, and lots of data that you have. So this is definitely something uh, that, that you get into every year. And, and that's, that's why we wanted to have you on today. Just to, we're, we're going to talk about for each position, what are the events that really matter most? If you can't sit down every night and watch five or six or seven hours of coverage, uh, what are what are the events that you want to look for? The the testing uh, categories. What are the numbers that are even good in those uh, those different areas? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We'll start at the quarterback position. 
it seems like that's just a, a really a different animal compared to the others, especially at the combine. They, they're still running the 40. They're doing a lot of th- the same things that some of these other uh, players from other positions are doing. But for most, it, it just doesn't matter quite as much. I, I think that's fair to say. But they did make some some changes at the quarterback position this year. Tell us about those. Yeah, so I'm glad they're doing this. A lot of the time, um, you know, you don't really know what you learn from uh, watching the quarterbacks hit some wide receivers they've never thrown to on deep routes. And uh, even like with the toe-tap drill, just understanding, you know, how how and when a receiver is going to break because you just never throw to those guys. Um, uh, and so you, you, we've seen the same kind of quarterback to wide receiver and quarterback to tight end drills for a long time. But they're adding an end zone fade drill and then uh, some timed what they call like smoke slash uh, smoke or now uh, drills, uh, which are really about kind of adjusting at the line of scrimmage and kind of making a quick pass uh, off the line, whether it's like on a, sl- a slant or a quick, you know, just quick drag here or there. Um, but obviously the end zone fade is pretty clear. It's kind of a touch throw to the back corner of the end zone. I, I'll be interested to see what that looks like, uh, you know, for some of the guys that have the rocket arms, uh, but they don't know how to put touch on the ball. Cause and right. I don't think we really get to see that uh, ever. Um, and so that'll be fun to see some quarterbacks miss terribly. And, and some uh, just show that they can really separate themselves in some new ways. I am a little bit interested with the new drills, because like you said, there aren't a lot of touch throws being asked of them in the combine in years no. past, and this is. But then part of me goes, to really operate a fade well, you got to throw it to the same receiver practice after practice with you know the, the right timing, and they're not going to have any chance of having that. Um, I kind of like the, the, the time smoke now drill too, because my guess is what that's going to be is just, you know, you come to the line of scrimmage, you got an off corner, you make an adjustment, you throw the bubble screen now, so like don't even yeah. get the laces, you know, so yeah. they'll be going as fast as they possibly can, rapid fire with that. And then my last like scouting note that really doesn't apply to Dynasty that much, but there's certainly value in seeing quarterbacks that you're scouting live. You know, like you'll, it, I always talk about it as an assembly line situation at the Combine. Everyone's on the same field in the same weather, throwing the same ball, doing the exact same things that you can see see come out of their hands live and you know see how much see the way they really throw live there's definitely value to that versus tape oh yeah absolutely cuz i mean you just you just can't really you don't you don't know what the weather is all the time when you're watching the tape you don't know what the winds like when you're watching yeah. the tape there's just a lot of there's never a time where it's just all things are really truly equal Travis, we want to get into the running back position next, and and really for each of these positions, again, we're going to to talk about what events matter the most for that position. These players all do mostly the same things as far as the jumps and the the timed runs, but for the running back position, which ones should we really be focusing on as dynasty players? Which, Which events can tell us the most? Sure, and before I jump into this, and with all, all positions, this kind of applies, but I think the, the the NFL Combine as a whole is kind of overvalued. I mean, there's there's been a lot of really smart uh, writers and analysts that have covered, uh, you know, what the the testing really means in terms of translating to NFL production. You know, top twenty four finishes or predicting draft capital based on uh, how these players perform. And really, as independent variables like you know the forty or the three cone might tell us marginally more than one you know than other drills at the the combine for certain positions, but 
when you compare that to any production metric or compare that to just draft capital at predicting NFL success, you know, that the combine does kind of at times, uh, you know, it leaves, uh, leaves you lacking when you're, when you're looking at actual, you know, statistical analysis and impact. But as far as the combine drills go for running backs, uh, what has been found several times over and over again uh, is that the 40 for running back specifically uh, and really size adjusted speed uh, in the 40 is, is pretty meaningful. Uh, you know, it, it means less for a, you know, 195 back to run a 4-4 than it does a 225 back to run a 4, uh, you know, sub 4-5 uh, 40. And then, of course, the three cone to kind of show uh, the uh, elite level agility of some players. Uh, really, the elite level times is, is what has shown to be sticky, less so than just getting a good time in the, in the three cone. But again, uh, you know, what is what does that even mean? What's a good time for running backs, and what's a good time for uh, three three cones and forties and things like that? I think a lot of people that casually watch just don't know. They're like, oh, that that's cool. That was faster than the last guy. But what does it all mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and that's really kind of what we want to dig into. So when we're ro- watching running backs later this week, you're telling us watch for watch the forty, obviously, which is is definitely the most uh, the most popular uh, piece of the coverage to to watch anyway, and uh, and then the three cone as well. So when you talk about size adjusted speed, is is that the same as what's typically called the speed score? Yeah, there's there are different ways to draw it up. Um, the, yeah, speed score. A lot of people like to just uh, look at their BMI and uh, their forty time and kind of get, pump out a, a score based on that. And yeah, I think it, that's probably the most useful bit uh, to understand how impressive uh, a player might be. I mean, when you're just thinking about a player generating momentum uh, quickly and and being able to uh, <laughs> dominate a defensive back in the open field, somebody that's two twenty five and can run a four four is is like I said, more impressive than somebody weighing 195 and runs a 4.4, uh, all things uh, equal. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really that simple uh, when it comes to this, the size adjusted speed, speed score. Because, uh, like, last year, I mean, Justice Hill, he ran a 4.4, but he was, like, at, you know, 10th percentile in weight. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't quite as impressive uh, as it would be had uh, Leonard Fournette done, you know, a 4.5-ish, you know, just a couple years prior. So that makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So with the 40s from the running back position, what are we looking at? What what are some target times that should uh, should get our attention? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think a lot of times people think they know what a good 40 time is for each position, but it's it's generally slower than you think it is. So like for running backs, I mean, four five five or just a little slower than that. That's really you know four five six, four five seven, four five eight. That's in the average range uh, for a running back. So. If somebody you know really disappoints because they ran a four five nine, that's not really that bad at all for the position. I mean, guys that um, have had some pretty good success here recently, like I, I think of you know Kareem Hunt running a four point six two, and that was you know disappointing. And that may look like backup speed on paper, uh, but you know that's not the end of the world if you can't break four point six two. Now, obviously, once you get up above that range uh you're kind of uh getting into like a bottom quartile of the position uh type time and you got to think that that's probably going to negatively affect the draft capital at least slightly in that drill uh but i I don't have to have my running back be a 449 or faster guy uh, 45 flat or faster guy uh, to really be excited and I'm not worried if they're running a four, you know, mid four fives at all. That's really well said. And I bet a lot of our listeners, and I know a lot of people even in the media that do this for a living, 
think, boy, if it's a four four nine, he really did well. It boosts his stock. But if it's a four five one, boy, that's a little slow. You know, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, and it's just it's it's so close. It's 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 just. I don't I don't uh, go too far into it because it's really if you're within a, a decent range. If you look at the the top running backs in, at the position, they don't all run a four no. five flat. You know, there's there's a there's a, some guys that are four five four. There's some guys that are four four four. There's some guys that are four six two. It's most of them that, that are productive falling like the four mid four fours to just just over four sixes. Uh, but any slower than that, I'm definitely concerned. All right, and and what about the the three cone? Was the other the other drill you mentioned that that we should really be looking at? What kind of times do we want there? Yeah, I mean you're always looking to be seven point one or better, and really I think the average is something like seven point oh seven, seven point oh eight ish for the running back position. So anything above that is is good. If you get to if you get to seven point two, you're just doing it wrong. You, I don't know what went wrong, and you, you probably got the yips. Uh, you're probably in the bottom quartile if you're 7.2 uh, or worse. Uh, so I don't really want to see a guy do that. Obviously, you know, you'll see somebody get the yips like Dalvin Cook did a few years ago and just kind of run bad times, and that probably did kill his draft stock a little bit. But you got to take what that what they actually do on tape and match that to what they do in the combine and in shorts. There's a lot of pressure there. But the elite times uh, you're looking at are like 6.8-ish or better. Um, you know, I think of like uh, Christian McCaffrey. I can't remember what he got a couple of years back, but like the the guys that even if they don't run a perfect forty, if they can run an elite level three cone, that kind of fixes uh, their profile a bit. Uh, I think, and actually, I think it was. I'm pulling up my notes right now. It was a six point five seven for Ooh. Christian McCaffrey, which was Crazy, like yeah. breaking. Yeah, it's just that's not going to happen this year. Like, there's the chances of that happening, and that is a 100th percentile. I'm not sure if that's the record, but that might be the record type type fast. But. I think JJ Watt was at six seven, by the way. That's yeah. insane. Like, I don't know how that's physically possible. <laughs> like, just to, yeah. I, I think he just probably just spun his hips. He actually <laughs> twisted. His, I, I don't even have to like break his hips to make that happen, but. <laughs> Yeah, anything around seven seconds, I'm not sweating at all. If you get below seven two, really even like mid seven ones, I'm I'm not not as excited. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's talk about some of the specific players we'll see in action at the combine this week. Who are some of the incoming rookie running backs that you expect to expect to excel at, at these two events, the forty and the three cone? Well, I mean, the obvious names, uh, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers are the obvious guys that should have nice size-adjusted speed, speed scores. I mean, Dobbins, I mean, he ran like a four four five. He He was basically the most athletic running back in his entire uh, recruiting class uh, coming into college. He was basically 99th percentile almost across the board. It was just insane. Um, Jonathan Taylor was obviously not as hyped, but he was still uh, fast. Cam Akers was the guy in his recruiting class, really the, the top-ranked uh, running back based on really his physical measurables, but what he was able to do uh, just schematically and succeed uh, even as a high schooler, as like a wild, wildcat quarterback. And really it was just elite athleticism that allowed he and Dobbins to garner the ridiculous uh, recruiting hype that they did. So obviously those guys are going to be size-speed size freaks that uh, could be around 4-4 regardless of how big they are. I know Akers hasn't been a sleeper by any means, but I think his stock no. in the general public is about to soar. 
Yeah, I think so because I I don't know how many people really pay attention to you know his recruiting grade from three years ago. You know, so um, he's he's definitely going to going to fly up, and if he gets some draft capital, he's he's certainly going to be right in that top tier uh, discussion uh, as he was supposed to be three years ago. Um, but outside of the obvious, I mean, you're looking at guys like. Antonio Gibson, um, who's actually right now, I'm not sure, I, I don't know if you, either of you have heard uh, what group he's going to run with because I think he was initially listed as a wide I receiver. Be, I think he's staying there. Okay, well, I think he could play running back or wide receiver at the next level. So I'm, I'm going to really kind of be grading him out as both, just kind of where he fits in uh, with uh, combine tiers and such because uh, I think he's going to run uh, just based on like his track times from high school and such. I think he's going to run you know, round a four or five flat. Um, and doing that at 220 plus pounds, pretty impressive. Uh, and AJ Dillon, uh, who's even bigger, uh, he could be, you know, I'm not sure what he's going to weigh in at. He might try to shave some pounds and just to help his 40 time, but he could, he could weigh in at like 240. Uh, and I still expect somewhere in the four five ish, low, low four fives for him. So size speed for those two guys. I mean, uh, anything under four six for Dillon's great, right? Yeah, and, and uh, he's been documented as, as doing that um, and on multiple occasions. So if he can really do that on the combine day, uh, that's going to mean the world for his stock and real draft stock, I think. So I'm uh, really hoping for good things uh, for him there. But as far as uh, agility guys go, I, really, and, and and just speed goes, Salvin Ahmed for um, Washington, he's been, I think, sub 4-4 is definitely on the table. For him, obviously, he's probably going to weigh in only around 200 pounds. Um, he's a little smaller, but he could be, you know, around a four-three. Uh, really, I mean, he, he had a four-three-two at the Husky Combine, um, and really is, is incredibly agile as well. So I think he could be sub-six-nine in the in the, the three-cone. Uh, you know, maybe close to six-eight even, uh, which would be like 80th percentile there. Um, and if you combine that with him running maybe a four-three-five or better. Uh, that kind of that kind of speed and, and agility that's going to catch some eyes, and he could really help his draft stock. But the most ridiculous athlete uh, is probably going to be if he doesn't pull something or do something weird is probably going to be Darius Anderson uh, for TCU. Now, he could really be like 80th percentile at everything because wow. the dude, I mean, he he squats 700 pounds, <laughs> uh, and and he did that like almost two What's years ago. What's his weight, give or take? Uh, I can't remember what, what what his list weight is off the top of my head, but he's probably going to weigh in you know two fifteen ish, and so you know more than tripling your weight um, in the squat is is pretty decent. I, I've heard uh, so so I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I think he's going to run a really solid forty. I think he's going to just annihilate the jumps thanks to that that lower body strength. Uh, and if he works on the agility stuff at all, he's going to have uh, one of the most complete physical profiles and can really earn himself some draft pedigree, which he needs desperately given his uh, low-level production profile. Yeah, I know very little about him, but I'm excited to check that out. I might need to watch a little tape of him before they run. Uh, that, that's pretty exciting stuff. Folks, what if there was a 50% off sale happening every time you went shopping for razors? Well, shaving with Harry's is kind of like that. They offer premium blade refills as low as $2 each. That's up to 55% off compared to the price of Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. And I've told you guys many times, I mean, I switched years ago to Harry's. I have very sensitive skin. I prefer to use a straight razor. Um, I couldn't because I'd get bumps and irritations, so I went to an electric until I found Harry's. So I'm hooked, and I think you guys should try it as well. 
Harry's wants to offer you even more savings. New customers get $5 off a Harry's trial set when you go to harrys.com slash dynasty. Harry's believes everyone deserves quality shaving supplies at a fair price. They don't inflate blade prices or add unnecessary features to the razors like flex balls or heated handles or any of that nonsense. Um, they do this by combining a simple ergonomic design with five sharp blades. They source their steel from Sweden and manufacture their blades in their world-class factory in Germany. Um, they cut out the middleman and ship directly to you. Saves you money and time. They also have a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. You'll love your shave, though. Um, 1% of the proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping provide better access to health care for men and veterans. So that helps out as well. So here's what you do. They have an amazing offer for our listeners of, of our show. New customers get $5 off a trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. You'll get five blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover. So join the millions of guys who are already saving money, such as myself, and go to harrys.com slash dynasty to claim your offer. Travis, let's move to the wide receiver position now, and and we'll cover basically the same topics. What events or or what drills matter the most for the wide receivers? Yeah, so wide receiver is kind of weird just because there's not necessarily one drill uh, that is just the end-all, be-all. It's kind of the the overall package with them, but you're looking at a singular uh, variable that has shown to be a little sticky at uh, predicting success when you mix it with um, you know a few other uh, independent physical variables I mean it's really just the raw weight like you want your receivers to actually weigh something (laughs) Uh, we're gonna hear over and over why you know Henry Ruggs or why you know even Jerry Judy or why KJ Hamler you know there's gonna be a few of the the top guys this year that are gonna have their detractors just because you look at uh, the regression tree that they fall into uh, for their size uh, and what wide receivers weigh what they do and uh, even you know their size adjusted the speed score they might run really good 40s but their weight is, is going to be a question um, I do look at the weight I want to see what they they weigh in at but again uh, size adjusted speed and height adjusted speed uh, for these guys is is, is what's going to matter um, if anything does anyway that and the three cone a little bit uh, but again for wide receivers, probably less than the other two positions we're going to be talking about. They're really, well, the, the, the combine just means less overall. Um, and part of that, I think, it might be how we analyze the data. Um, and, and I think, um, I don't know where, I've heard Adam Harstad say this more than anybody, but he talks about the Berkson's paradox, which is in statistics. Like if you narrow down this sample of, of, of elite somethings uh, and you look at one variable that they all share, you can actually accidentally find uh, a variable to mean the opposite of what it actually does. So like raw 40 yard dash scores, and you look at what that means for future fantasy points. You like look at the wrong sample or the wrong years of combine data. You can actually get the conclusion that it's actually better to be slower <laughs> at wide receiver, <laughs> which is just kind of silly. Right. Yeah, and it's just obviously that's logically just not true, but that just goes to show with within this the sample of elite level athlete uh, when you're talking about the difference between a four five seven and a four five one or four five seven and even a four four eight, 
um, the implied fantasy future of that player doesn't really rest upon that one thing. But I think a lot, a lot of times people do forget to adjust for size. Again, uh, I think uh, the best example of this um, here in, in recent years is like uh, probably Michael Thomas. Uh, and he didn't have like an elite day in any one drill uh, when he came out to the combine. But some of the work that I've done in building databases uh, takes a close look at uh, just being above average at certain drills and what that means. Uh, and having a decent size adjusted score, like he ran a four five seven, and everyone was like, "Oh man, Michael Thomas is super <laughs> right. slow." Uh, and uh, you know, it's like, well, he actually was you know above average in virtually every other drill there. Both the jumps, his his agility scores were like seventieth percentile, seventy fifth percentile, uh, and he had a great day. But because he had that four five seven, people freaked out, and and he was six foot three two twelve running a four five seven. So. The size-adjusted speed mixed with their weight, and then, of course, elite three-cone times can mean a whole lot. So those are that kind of mix of things. Like if you're a big wide receiver that just so happens to also be above, above average uh, agility um, as, as well, that's impressive. Like being 6'3", 212, and still among all NFL wide receivers in the combine, testing out at like the 70th, 75th percentile, that's, incre- that's incredible. So... He had one of the best days. It's really easy to miss good days of the combine if you're looking at it the wrong way. Yeah, you just, I mean, they a lot of sites just post the leaders, and this guy ran a 4-3-1. Yeah. This guy ran a 4-3-2. Oh, I don't see Michael Thomas's name. He must be slow. Yeah, and then it's like, and I think that uh, he turned out okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Travis, you mentioned just their just their actual weight, uh, which we will get early in the week, of course, yeah. before they before they do the on-field drills. Uh, is there a certain weight threshold you're looking for? Obviously, that has uh, that also has to do with their their height. But um, is there a number that's a danger zone for you? It's not like a necessarily like a raw number because I mean, if you're talking about guys that are five nine, five ten, it's okay if you're one one ninety ish. But really, if you're below one ninety, um, I'm I'm a little concerned. But uh, you know, you can be shorter and be in the one eighty, one eighty five. And of course, there's always going to be concerns i guess uh, there but there's also always going to be outliers that that prove everybody wrong and um, people want to kind of point at one or two players and say see this guy succeeded everyone else should and that's just not how statistics work so so i, I i'm really um i'm intrigued uh, anytime i see a, like a wide receiver weigh in at like 215 plus i'm like ooh man if he runs like a four or five ish that's gonna yeah, that's, <laughs> that's gonna be you know, that's going to be fun. So I, I immediately, if I'm looking at their weight, I'm like, man, I didn't know he was that big. I'm going to, I'm going to be watching to see what, what they do in the agility drills. And uh, of course, just their, their 40. So Travis, of course, uh, no matter how much you warn us to not put too much stock in it, we're going to be watching that 40 closely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it sounds like, it sounds like a mid four or five is, is certainly an acceptable uh, time for these wide receivers. Uh, typically, is that is that the case? Yeah, I mean it's okay if they're like a four, five, seven. If they're also kind of bigger, like I think even well, actually Cortland Sutton's another great example. Like four, five, four. Uh, it's disappointing. No, it's not. He's huge and he's running four, five, four. So uh, you know, obviously that's okay, especially if you're bigger. You can run below four, five. But really, the position. A lot of people again, they think. Oh, it's got to be under four or five just because that looks good. 
but really the average of the position just across of you know all data dating back to like you know 2000 in modern athletics by modern athletic standards uh, four or five exactly is about average so i'm really not worried at all if somebody's a four or five two even if even if they're a little skinnier i'm not even worried if it's a four or five two because uh, really most players fall in between you know most producing fantasy players fall in between four four and like four four or four five five like there's been a lot of research put into this it's uh, the most productive guys most of them fall in that range which is just pretty close to like what the actual population just averages that shows up to the combine so yeah i'm not really concerned unless they're like four six plus and even so there are a few outliers that it worked out for uh, but I, I am concerned if you are not uh, not pretty thick and you're still, you know, you can't break 4-6. Uh, at, at the very least, you got to be concerned about the draft capital because draft capital itself is more meaningful than any one of these drills. And if you are not running fast, you might just have just taken yourself down a, a notch or two, a draft round or two uh, by uh, some people's standards. I definitely agree, and you kind of said this in a roundabout way, that the skinnier AJ Green body types, Randy Moss body types, can obviously really, really be great players, and receivers can um, mm-hmm. can come in all shapes and sizes. But if you're not thickly built, then I'm a little more worried about your your forty number. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but even so, like, and you can kind of fix it too. Like if you if you're similar to like the the running backs, like if you're not elite and just straight line speed, but you're an amazing route runner and you're, you're amazingly flexible and you can make your three cone, your, your agility, agility score. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm more intrigued there as well. So uh, it's, it's really all about adjusting for the context of who that player is and uh, what they'll project to do and how they'll play and how they'll win and what can, I can learn from this information I'm taking in. So, they're just a little bit faster as a group in just about all the drills. I mean, they can typically jump a little bit higher. You know, they're a, bit, a little bit faster, and they're typically a little bit more agile. So, you know, I'm, I'm average for running backs is about 7.07, 7.08. Average for wide receivers in the three cone is about 6.95-ish, 6.96, something like that. Uh, an elite time, you know, you're breaking 6.75-ish. Uh, you're in, you know, top 10, 15% of uh wide receivers but uh, i'm not really concerned if it's just over seven but if it gets below like seven one you're, you're entering entering that bottom quartile range where uh you know there's definitely evidence where that's probably hurt uh draft capital in the past travis who are some wide receivers you expect to excel at, at both the 40 and the and the three cone i think we know some of these names i, I assume jalen rager and henry ruggs yeah. those are guys that being mentioned as potential first rounders uh who else on, would be on this list for you yeah kj hamler and brandon Ayuk uh, are guys that could uh, run uh super fast 40s I and mean, even jerry judy i mean there's not as much evidence to suggest really that he, he's going to be up in that four three something range i mean if you he he ran like a four five five in high school, so it would be a weird jump for him to see like sub four four. Just like when you're comparing high school to combine numbers, there's not generally that steep of a jump. Um, and I don't think anybody's going to break John Ross's time. I know that people are super hyped about what Rugs could do, um, but I think Rager could be as fast or as faster than, than them. You know but, what I heard? Uh, of the draft prop today that you can bet on is the best yeah. 40 time at the combine the over under is 428 where would you go on that 
Yeah, I, I don't think I would say it's probably in recent years like that's been like right around where yeah. the cap is, uh, like four point two nine. So this year, I think because there's like probably four wide receivers that could push that, and probably maybe three or four DBs that I think could push that, I would probably take somebody beating four two eight. Whew, that that would that would get some some attention for sure. I mean, even John Ross. Uh, a player who had his doubters uh, a few years back. Once he once he ran that time, uh, yeah, you know, it seemed like everybody was on John Ross for for quite a while. And of course, we know that resulted, uh, or at least helped in the result of him being a top ten NFL draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. And so that yeah, if, as far as raw speed goes, those are the guys. But like the size speed freaks, I, I really want to see what what uh, Lavisca Chenault can run because. I think some people believe he can be around four four ish, and if he can do that at his size, um, you know he's obviously going to get the Cordero Patterson comp or whatever. But uh, he's he's just not that kind of player. He's he's a little bit different than than Cordero Patterson. But Donovan Peoples Jones or DPJ, if you've been following him and recruiting for forever, he was like the number one recruit in his class uh, three years ago or whenever it was that he he came out and he he ran a four four five. Uh, you know, being six two around two ten at the time, so if he runs a four like mid four fours or four four flat at that size, uh, just given his pedigree, he's going to be bouncing back into conversations of going early again. Yeah, Chenault had the groin injury. Are we? I, I'm de- definitely going to miss this. Are we sure he is uh, a full go for this week? I'm not. I'm not sure if he's a full go. Sadly, uh, another guy that would be a size speed. Freak is, is definitely not a full go in Brian Edwards, though. Mm-hmm. So uh, I hate to see him uh, hurt, and uh, he apparently broke a bone in his foot. So he, he was going to be one of those guys that a lot of people were going to be excited about as far as, far as being a size speed uh, animal, for sure, given his top speed of like 22 miles an hour or more. So hate to see him go. Do you know go. if he'll be able to run before the draft? Well, given his timeline that he just recently shared, one to two months, um, I'm not really yeah, sure because uh, I, I the the uh, pro day schedule is is not even public publicly released right now, so I, I don't even know when South Carolina's pro day is. But it's going to be pretty pretty well pushing it for him to try to get any amount of forty uh, timed um, in time. Travis, besides the names you've already mentioned, anybody else who you're excited to watch their three cone score? Um, I think Tyree Cleveland uh, could be the most athletic. Uh, wide receiver at the combine uh, coming up he's Florida uh, so he's not the only Florida guy to 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 get pumped about a lot of people like Van Jefferson uh, from from Florida you know he's got a a dad who's an NFL wide receivers coach and he can run routes and he impressed at the senior bowl but Tyree Cleveland is is a freak athlete who ran around a 4-3 in high school Uh, so he's got the wheels and and he showed that he could have nice size size adjusted agility so if he runs at his size his speed if he, he puts up like a six eight in the three cone he's gonna definitely earn himself some capital he he could be one of those players like like i think um what chris conley you know yeah. a, a while mm. back he, he could have the that 40 plus inch vert um and just you know be 90th percentile at, at everything and come out of nowhere with a really horrible production profile and get drafted <laughs> way higher than he probably should yeah Travis, let's finish up with the the tight ends, and and this is uh, kind of like the quarterbacks. It, it almost becomes an afterthought of combine week, as we really do end up focusing on on the receivers and the running backs. But I I think this is a really interesting tight end group, and certainly 
an athletic tight end group. Uh, so, so let's start with that same question. Uh, what events matter most? What should we be focusing on when we try to uh, try to analyze and and really look at the impact of the combine for the tight ends? Yeah. So this one, um, I, I think a lot of it w- before with uh, many positions, running back and wide receivers, especially the size adjusted look uh, has meant more. Um, you really have to kind of dissect their profile and, and shift it around for the, the tests to mean anything individually. But tight ends actually just drawing the line right at four seven uh, can actually tell you a whole lot, regardless of what their overall weight is. Um, obviously, it'd be more impressive if they were bigger and they ran a sub four seven. But just historically, there's been a lot of work done that shows the guys that run the sub four sevens uh, are the guys that end up uh, producing and, and meaning something to, to fantasy. Uh, and a lot of times those guys are, are not the guys that are like the, you know, the six, seven, six, eight types. Uh, you know, it's hard to find a guy that tall, uh, that can just get sub four, seven. Uh, and then of course, if they can't get sub four, seven, let's say they're four, seven, five, four, seven, six, four, seven, eight. Uh, but they do have an elite level, uh, broad jump. Uh, then I'm definitely interested there. Uh, so I'm looking at, you know, a 10 foot plus broad jump, maybe 10, two plus, especially cause that's like. You know, top twenty percent, top fifteen percent type uh, uh, burst uh, at the position. So if they combine sub four seven and a ten two type broad uh, or better, uh, you're, you're looking at a small cohort of uh, of players that have posted some really fun athletic scores. Do you, do you remember so any of them? Most your head? recently, I, I don't um, you're looking I'm at curious. like. Yeah, Vernon Davis is way Vernon up there. Davis Obviously, maybe. he had the the ridiculous like four three eight forty, which is just I mean that's I mean that's right. just absurd. And then on Think top of that, that he, yeah. he, he was like I think it was like ten I think I think it was ten eight ten nine ten ten something like that for Vernon Davis. Uh, so he was he's actually I think he might be the most athletic tight end ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just one by, of the freakiest yeah, by any standard. And then recently ever. you had guys um, like uh, Mike, really Mike Gesicki. Uh, was basically like 90th percentile or, or better in mm-hmm. just about everything except for, I think, his bench press. Yeah, like everything was super high for him. And, well, his arms yeah, are so yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but even guys like uh, like Noah Fant tested pretty well. Uh, even back in the day, I'm pretty sure Dallas Clark actually de- tested pretty well because he, he had a really good uh, vertical jump. Um, he, did. he did. Obviously, he... Yeah, he was he was, he was like under yeah, four, six. four six ish range. So yeah, a lot of these guys that ran the, the sub four seven. Yeah, yeah. Ben, um, even ben like Watson guys like uh, what Jeremy Shockey back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, of course, like Evan Ingram. A lot of those guys. If you if you look at like the, the best uh, athletic profiles across the board that just simply broke four seven and got the broad jump, you're going to see a bunch of fantasy relevant guys. Yeah, yeah. Travis, who might we see from this rookie class that that could meet both of those marks, sub four seven and ten feet plus on the broad jump? Yeah, so it's really hard um, <clears throat> projecting tight end athleticism. I found because <laughs> I mean, it, guys like Gasicki, uh, who look like he gets a slow start um, on on film at times, uh, just because of like I don't know what it is, uh, can really test well when they get in shorts, but. It looks like, based on what we know about Hunter Bryant, that he he could be a slam dunk guy in that in that department. He ran about a four eight in high school, so he's going to be probably pretty close. But if he breaks, uh, you know, maybe around that four six eight four six 
seven, somewhere in that range. I think he could easily, he's easily probably going to break the, the broad jump, but the 40 will be right on the cusp. Uh, and then I've got guys like Bryson Hopkins from Purdue, Harrison Bryant, probably, uh, and then Adam Troutman, maybe, <laughs> uh, from Dayton. Uh, and then uh, maybe Steven Sullivan, because he's, he's a pretty mm-hmm. fluid mover, and he was kind of a wide receiver tight end hybrid uh, anyway, and how he was he was utilized uh, for LSU. So those are the five that I feel pretty good about reaching those cusps. Hunter Bryant will be yeah, well under I, yeah, I think so. So he's not like going to be a super impressive size adjusted okay. uh, speed, but really it's just about breaking that four seven, and I think he can do it. Travis, really good stuff. You've definitely gotten us ready to uh, watch these guys on the field in Indy later this week. Uh, really appreciate it. Tell our listeners where they can find you and your work. Well, definitely uh, check out um, all my work at Rotoviz that I've been doing right now. They got the uh, top one hundred rookie series i'm actually including some individual defensive players in that mix uh gonna have uh, already came out with uh players uh 61 through 100 uh, but having the top 60 coming out this week uh, obviously we'll learn some more about the nfl combine so nice. definitely check out my stuff at uh, rotoviz uh, we've got the 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 rookie guy that we've been coming out with as well which is three different issues uh, the pre-combine post-combine and post-nfl draft uh rookie guy that we've been coming out with there and that's a lot of fun uh, putting that together with curtis and the guys uh so really a blast tons of helpful information uh, different ways to look at prospects that uh, aren't always included uh, so the rookie guides and uh, anything that that rotoviz has been doing because the, the coverage is always very analytical and uh, historically uh, based um, uh, so you get a, a little bit different uh different uh view on some of the players uh, i found in, in my experience so uh anything at rotoviz is, is a win but really the rookie guide uh, and then of, all, of course the dynasty command center podcast i do with curtis patrick uh, just about every week uh, sometimes twice a week <laughs> that's been uh, a lot of fun so uh, find me there and of course on twitter at ff underscore travis m all right thanks again travis we'll be back next time with more dynasty uh, blueprint